This morning's sermon is titled, Why Do You Weep? And it comes straight from the text itself. And that text will be John chapter 20, if you want to turn there. And of course, that is the John's account of the resurrection, as you probably could have guessed. Before we jump in, let's pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses in the same way that we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all for being here this morning, and happy Easter, uh, especially all the visitors we have this morning. I hope you'll feel at home, and we'll come back. I want to let you all know that next week, I'll be starting a sermon series through Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount, and you don't want to miss it. It's the greatest sermon ever told, so be here for that as we start looking through the Sermon on the Mount. For now, let's go ahead and jump into our text, John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was him. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing him to be just a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to Jesus in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have yet to ascend to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So it's Easter, it's Easter morning, early in the morning. But before we get to Easter, we have to go through Good Friday. And at the time, Good Friday was anything but good. Let's enter the scene at the Garden of Gethsemane early, early in the morning on Friday. Some would still call it Thursday night, just past midnight. We enter the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is there with Peter, James, and John. And he goes to pray. 
And he asks them, just sit here and watch for me while I pray. And he goes to pray. And he prays, Lord, if there's any other way but this, let this cup pass from me. And he prays this several times. And the disciples just keep falling asleep on him. His own people, the closest friends to him, can't even stay awake like he asked them to. But he prays, let this cup pass from me if there's any other way. But not my will, but your will be done. And he stressed to the point where he's literally sweating drops of blood. It's a medical condition that's very real. It's, uh, it happens upon high stress, and it makes your skin more irritated, and it makes it, it makes it easier to feel pain. He's literally bleeding blood because he's so stressed. And there his disciples are sleeping. And before too long, here come the authorities, whose good friend, Judas, had sold him out to for only 30 pieces of silver. And they come. And there with a kiss, Jesus is betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they go to take him away, but not without a fight, or so the disciples thought. So Peter pulls out a sword, and he has terrible lame, and he chops off one of the soldier's ears. And Jesus condemns him for it. He says, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on the guy. And they take him away. Then we go to a series of Jesus being questioned between uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, and Pilate of Rome, Pontius Pilate. Going back and forth, no one can find any wrong in him. But the crowd just keeps pushing. They've got to kill this guy. The Jews are mad. He's claiming to be the Messiah. Pilate can't find any fault in him. Pilate's wife even warned him, you're, you're messing up, messing with this guy right here. I had a dream. Don't do anything to him. So then we have a small glimmer of hope where they announce, okay, as it's tradition, we're going to let one of these prisoners go. One of these people we're fixing to execute, we're going to let one of them go. Who do you want? Do you want Jesus of Nazareth or Barabbas? Now, there's something to know about Barabbas because we kind of give the crowd a hard time saying, how could they be so stupid to pick Barabbas over Jesus? His name wasn't just Barabbas, his name was Jesus Barabbas, which him being named Jesus isn't a big deal in and of itself because it's a very common name at the time. A lot of people were named Jesus. So we have Jesus Barabbas. But the name Barabbas, it's a Greek word coming from two Aramaic words at the time, Bar Abba, which means son of the father. So this guy's name was literally Jesus, son of the father. You have Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus, son of the father. Now, we know he was a criminal. We talk about all, that all the time. But he wasn't just an ordinary criminal. Barabbas was a revolutionary. The Romans were pretty hard on the Jews at the time. And there were portions of Jews who would rise up in violence against the Romans, trying to fight back, trying to stand up for themselves. And that's what Barabbas was being executed for. He was a revolutionary. He fought back against the Romans. He was a hero to the Jewish people. So Pilate says, who do you want? Jesus of Nazareth, the poor homeless carpenter who says we should, we win by not retaliating and suffering and serving? Or do you want Jesus Barabbas, the war hero, 
The one who's fought for the Jews. Literally fought the Roman army. And of course the crowd chose Barabbas. The same choice many of us would have made in the same situation. So they make their way to Calvary, to the hill, to Golgotha, where they'd be crucified. And he's carrying his own cross. He's already been beaten. He's already, been, he's already gotten his lashes with the whip, with stones attached to the end, absolutely tearing up, destroying his back. And remember, he's already, he already has this medical condition where he's been sweating drops of blood already. His skin is extra tender. He's taking these whips, and here he is carrying this cross, getting all kinds of splinters up to the place of execution. So here they are. They reach Calvary. And they begin to nail him to the cross after they put this crown of thorns on his head, which I assume that didn't feel so nice either. And they would have put the nails in right in here where these two bones, where it would hold him up. Because if you put it in the palm, it's not going to stay. And we have, uh, we have bones of people who had been crucified in the nail state. And this is where they are in a Roman crucifixion. And I don't know how many pounds of the hammer it would have taken to get it all the way through, but... Maybe one if he's lucky. So you put this hand, then the other hand. So then you nail the feet down. And they would have bit the legs just a bit. Because that's the whole point of crucifixion. You're hanging like this, you can't breathe. So the only way to get air is to push yourself up every now and then on the nail. They would have put the two feet together, turned them sideways, and driven the nail through both heels. Which, I imagine that took several hits of the hammer. I imagine none of them felt very nice. So each time he wants to breathe, he's pushing up on that nail through his heels just to get a breath. They're mocking him. He's been beaten. They're spitting on him. His disciples have abandoned him. They've denied him. There he is, suffering, dying. The one who wins by suffering. He dies, of course. No one survives a Roman crucifixion and they take him away to be buried. And that was Good Friday. But here we are. That was Friday, but this is Sunday. It's early in the morning. The sun hasn't even risen yet, or so they thought. But it's still dark outside. The sun's not out. Mary Magdalene and a few other women go to continue the burial preparations. They go to the tomb. They weren't able to finish because the Sabbath had gotten in their way. They had to stop and take a break. So they go to the tomb of Jesus. They get there. They start approaching it. It's not what they expected. They can't really see really well because it's still dark outside. Is, is the stone rolled away? Is, is that thing open? So they have to be feeling nervous at this point. This is not what they expected. This isn't what they wanted. Something had to have happened, and it wasn't good. So they realize the tomb's empty. Like, oh no, someone's kid, someone's stolen the body. Just when I thought things couldn't get any worse. I just witnessed this guy being beaten and tortured. And now they're going to steal his body too? Could this get any worse? So they go to Peter and John. Most likely John. It says that it's one who Jesus loved. It's most likely talking about John. They go to Peter and John. And they start running there. They have to see it for themselves. Not because they didn't believe the women, 
but because at this time in history, a woman's testimony meant absolutely nothing. It's like, well, Jesus' body's been stolen. How do you know? The women saw it. So what? They're women. Who cares? You can't trust them. But, and we'll get to this, but thankfully Jesus thought a lot more about women than society did or does. And Jesus thought a lot more about women than the church does it oftentimes, too. We'll see. So Peter, John, they're running. They've got to get to the tomb first. Peter beats John there. He goes inside. He sees the tomb is empty, except for the cross that he was buried under. And it's weird because they were all folded. These must have been some neat criminals. Actually, no, one's gonna, no one who's stealing the body is going to take the time to fold the cloth and the handkerchief. They would have seen that. They would have known that. They'd known something's going on here. John goes in as well. He sees the same thing. Tomb's empty. Claws are folded. What's going on? They go back home. But not Mary Magdalene. She waits behind. There she is, standing at the tomb, weeping. And then she sees two angels where Jesus' body had been laying. And they say, woman, why are you weeping? Why am I weeping? I just saw this guy get murdered for no reason. One of my good friends, just last week he raised my brother from the dead. And now I saw this happen, and now his body's even stolen? Why am I weeping? They've taken his body away. I don't know where they've laid it. So then this guy behind her also shows up. He says, woman, why are you weeping? Listen, if you've taken his body, just tell me where it is. I just need to recover this body. Because she was just this gardener. Because remember, it's dark outside. And his body will look different than when she last saw him. When she last saw him, it wouldn't have looked very good at all. But then, she, then he says, Mary. And like a sheep who recognizes the shepherd's voice, she realizes who it is. She says, teacher, it's you. And he sends her. I imagine they stay there and celebrate a while, celebrate what's happened. But then he sends her to the other apostles to tell them what's happened, that Christ is risen. He sends them there. But first, let's look at the question, why are you weeping? Just when it seemed that things couldn't get any worse, it's obvious why she was weeping. This couldn't have gotten any worse. The worst possible scenario had happened. But then Jesus is there, and everything's okay. And we might feel the same way at times. Like, things can't get any worse. But then Jesus is there. He's not dead. He's risen. He might show up when you want him to. I'm sure Mary would have appreciated if he had been standing there when they first arrived at the tomb. But Jesus is there. And everything's going to be okay. And he has a knack of doing this. Of showing up and making things okay. We remember when the disciples were out at sea. It was dark. It was storming. And then, they can't see really well because it's dark, but something's coming. Oh my goodness, it's a ghost! We're all going to die! But then they, hear not a, then they hear the voice. 
Don't be afraid. It's me. And everything's okay because Jesus is there. And it's the same thing for us. Because death couldn't hold him down. So everything's going to be okay. Because Jesus is there. It's a scary world we're living in right now. Bombs are dropping all over the place. Maybe we're headed to another war. It can be scary. But Jesus is there. He says, don't be afraid. He wins in the end. The evil forces are going to laugh a little bit. But he got the last laugh. He defeated death. Jesus is there. Don't be afraid. And I think it's interesting that he didn't show up when John and Peter were still there. He waited till they had left. It was just Mary. It was just the woman whose testimony meant nothing. Yet he appeared to her first. And then he sends her to announce it to the other disciples, the apostles, that Christ is risen. And society looked down on women, on the ladies. A society today that doesn't place women as highest men. We see it all the time. Do the same job. Women doesn't get paid as much. In a place where even in church, women are told they have no place to have a voice. But here, Jesus sends Mary Magdalene, the woman, to be the very first human to preach that Christ is risen to the apostles. Jesus also has this knack of taking the norms and flipping them on their heads. If you want to see more evidence of that, come to the Sermon on the Mount series. You see it every week. The things we think we know. The things we think that that's the way the world's supposed to be. And Jesus just turns it on its head. It says, this is my kingdom now. I have a different way of doing things. Jesus is here, and everything's okay. The disciples were scared at the time, because Jesus wasn't thought of very highly by the authorities. So they're still meeting behind locked doors. Here they are in the upper room. Doors are locked. And there's Jesus. He wasn't there, now he is. It doesn't say he walked through a wall or anything. He's just there. He wasn't. Now he is. And it's kind of like the same story I talked about a minute ago. Where they are on the boat. It said when Jesus got on the boat, suddenly they were there at their destination. They weren't there. Jesus is here. They're there. Here's Jesus. Approaches the apostles. And the words he has are peace be with you. And that's the kind of God that I want to serve. Where those are the first words. These people have just denied him while he's being crucified. Humanity as a whole had killed him, had lynched him. If anyone had the right for vengeance, it was him. If I just if I just seen a friend that I'd followed being murdered while I was denying them, saying I had no part with them, and then they came back from the dead, I wouldn't want to see them. Because they probably wouldn't have very good things to say to me. 
But here the first words that Jesus speaks to the apostles are peace be with you. And that's a God we should all want to serve. A God who we killed. We lynched him. We murdered him. Because he was good. For no other reason. And what are his first words to us? Peace be with you. He comes back he comes back preaching peace. We had every right to come and get revenge on everyone, on the whole creation, who had turned on him. He comes back preaching peace. And he does the same thing for all of us here. We've all turned on him. We've all, we've all denied him at times. The world is messy, and we choose the ways of the world a lot of times instead of him. But he comes back with the words, peace be with you. Showing that he's there, that he cares, that he loves. That's the reason he died in the first place. Because he loves. Jesus is here. Jesus is risen. And everything is going to be okay. And as I head to a close, I want to read to you this very short sermon. So we're going to sermon number two now. This is a short sermon. Many churches read it every year on Easter. It's from an early church father from the 300s named John Christostom. I just want you to listen to this and the hope that it brings and the character that it shows our God has. Is there anyone who is a devout lover of God? Let them enjoy this beautiful, bright festival. Is there anyone who is a grateful servant? Let them rejoice and enter into the joy of their Lord. Are there any weary with fasting? Let them now receive their wages. If any have toiled from the first hour, let them receive their due reward. If any have come after the third hour, let him with gratitude join in the feast. And he that arrived after the sixth hour, let him not doubt, for he too shall sustain no loss. And if any delayed until the ninth hour, let him not hesitate, but let him come too. And he who arrived on only the eleventh hour, let him not be afraid by reason of his delay. For the Lord is gracious and receives the last, even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, as well as to him that toiled from the first. To this one he gives, and upon another he bestows. He accepts the works as he greets the endeavor, the deed he honors and the intention he commends. Let us all enter into the joy of the Lord. First and last alike, receive your reward. Rich and poor, rejoice together. Sober and slothful, celebrate the day. You that have kept the fast, and you that have not, rejoice today, for the table is richly laden. Feast royally on it. The calf is a fatted one. Let no one go away hungry. Partake all of the cup of faith. Enjoy all the riches of his goodness. Let no one grieve at his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn that he has fallen again and again, for forgiveness has risen from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the death of our Savior has set us free. He's destroyed it by enduring it. He destroyed Hades when he descended into it. He put it into an uproar, even as it tasted of his flesh. Isaiah foretold this when he said, You, O hell, have been troubled by encountering him below. Hell was in an uproar because he'd done away with it. 
It was in an uproar because it, mo- it is mocked. It was in an uproar for it is destroyed. It is in an uproar for it is annihilated. It is in an uproar for it is now made captive. Hell took a body and discovered God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw and was overcome by what it did not see. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is thy victory? Christ is risen, and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life is liberated. Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of its dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's pray.